Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out the Ringer NBA Draft Show starring the great Kyle Mann and, of course, Kevin O'Connor. The two of those guys will be doing a reaction show to the lottery odds that come out on Tuesday night. If you are all locked in on NBA Lottery, you got to go check out that show. And again, the newest episode will be a reaction show to the lottery odds that come out on Tuesday night. Go check that out now. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we get to talk about my favorite conversation. Yes, it goes all the way to the top. We'll talk about the battle of the brands a little bit early on this one. We got the Curry-LeBron showdown. It's a little bit later for the reactions to that, but we'll talk about the bigger picture, right, that's happening with the narrative in the NBA. We'll try to keep up with all the NBA narratives. Myself and Kyle Mann in studio today, so very fired up for that. We'll also talk about the transfer portal. It is officially closed. We'll talk about some of the biggest names still in the portal, some of the best that are coming out of there. And also, we'll talk about Mackenzie Mbako, who decides to go play for Indiana and Mike Woodson. Big moment for the Hoosiers. That's always fun. And the G League Elite Camp uh, happened, and now they've got guys that are invited to the NBA Combine. We're going to get into all that. We got Kyle in the building. Producer Kyle, he made the long trek back from Ocean City, Maryland, just for this podcast. Kyle, how you feeling right now? I look, feel, and sound like garbage. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. Welcome back into One Shining Podcast. As always, I am your host, Tate Frazier. And not as always, I am sitting across from Kyle Mann in Los Angeles at Spotify HQ. And uh, it's a lovely day. It feels like a flashback to March. It does. It's very refreshing to be here and to see you in person, to see, you know, two two well-groomed, handsome men look in the prime of their lives, ready to talk <laughs> about uh, ready to talk about some basketball. Among other things, mm. it sounds like today we got a lot to talk about. I'm I'm ready to go, Tate. I'm yeah. just I'm, I'm amped. I am amped, and you buried the lead, or maybe I buried the lead, but yes, Kyle, producer Kyle is in the building. He promised our listeners on Wednesday that he was going to Ocean City, Maryland, that he would not be here for the recording on Monday. Turns out some things happened. Uh, some producers were reached out to. They did not reach back out. And uh, Kyle, you were a trooper. You came in today. Yeah, I'm feeling great, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Kyle is alive. Um, I'm not going to say he's alive and well, but he's alive. Uh, he has no voice. He is. Um, he looked like he got fresh off the plane, but he came here. He's. He is a trooper. He is. You're the MVP of the show, Kyle. That's all I have to say. And we'll, maybe we'll get some story time at the end. Is yeah, that- let me just ramp up for a little bit. I'm going to yeah. go ahead. You're the Zion Williamson <laughs> of the show. You're going to ramp up your voice. I'm going to go ahead and veto the maybe that you just put in that <laughs> sentence just now. There's We could walk into any podcasting company in the world and pitch Kyle goes to <laughs> yeah. It's a three day recap. Yes, I just feel like this is this is where a, in the world is Kyle this week? And uh, you follow him there. You cover it. You know, it's it's full coverage. It's like his own reality TV show. And then we all just kind of report back and and see what we witnessed. And it sounds like a great trip, um, just by the sound of your voice. And a four-day bender, I mean, we all know how that goes. That's tough. And uh, Kyle, we were both born in 1993 till infinity. We're, we're right there on the third decade. I already am there at 30. 
um, and you're coming up later in the year. So it hits you fast. So a four-day bender is not like what it used to be. There's a lot of napping going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of napping. Intermittent napping is uh, the new fad that you have to have for a four-day bender. Uh, again, we'll get into all that a little bit later, but gl- good to have Kyle in the studio. Happy to have Kyle Mann here in Los Angeles. We're doing a lot of NBA stuff. Yesterday, you and I both came in with KOC. We did Beyond the Arc with him. We talked about you know the Celtics and their Game 7. We talked about you know the Sixers and all this sort of stuff. I want to talk about narrative. I want to talk about a storyline that I've seen happening, and it goes back to my battle of the brands. And in the battle of the brands, I mentioned Steph Curry and Nike and kind of the the war that was being waged. And guess what, guys? Spoiler alert, Nike wins the war again. Um, This was a battle, but I think they've officially won the war um, against Steph Curry. Um, I am planting that flag down. I think it's real. I think it's happening. We saw a lot of tweets like, there's a Mount Rushmore basketball. Curry's top 10 for sure, but he's not on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, we, we see all these conversations and it's brought up another legacy conversation. We know how this works on the internet. You bring up 2020. What's the first thing you see? Mickey Mouse's face, right? It, it is a bubble championship. It is a Mickey Mouse ring. Is an asterisk, right? These, these are all the conversations that happen when you talk about the bubble. But now we have the redemption arc. Nike does it again. We have the redemption arc of the bubble actually was the most competitive field we've ever seen in the NBA. This is the narrative that is being pushed out. It is not a Mickey Mouse ring. So I ask you, Kyle, man, what is your what is your thoughts as I as I lay this all out? Do you think that we are debunking the idea that the 2020 title was Mickey Mouse? This serves a couple purposes for you, I think. Well, you know, the Mickey Mouse, when people t- say Mickey Mouse, typically they're like, eh, corny, hokey, cheesy. It's not quite the it's not quite the genuine article. But then that this also happened in Florida, you know, that it is was in proximity to, to, to Mickey Mouse. I'm probably stating the obvious here, but I, I like the I like the commitment to the bit. It's a solid bit for you, Tate. And I appreciate that you're sticking with it. In terms of these finals, like validating or invalidating that, um, they're kind of, I mean, they're slightly different teams if you want to be serious for, for a minute about it. Slightly I mean, <laughs> different. I was looking at the rosters. They're completely different. That, but again, that's, slightly, yeah. that, that's the difference between the narrative that is being pushed now that I see from everywhere. And I, and I just know a Nike commercial is going to come out where there's like some bubble flashbacks, you know, as LeBron is playing and it's like, you know, father time loses again, right? This is going to be a, a, the narrative push of this. But like you said, these are totally different teams. Uh, the Celtics, they, they've almost turned as a team, as a franchise, to the new LeBron in the East where you can almost just pencil them into the Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics and, fans might disagree with you about their anxieties round to round, but I don't know if it's LeBron-level certainty, but it's definitely, they're, they're a team that just, they're definitely one of those like, oh, you've probably rooted for teams like this in your mm-hmm. life. I know I have. There's there's a difference between teams that take care of business. They are like proactive. They're the hammer, not the nail. And they go out there and get stuff done. And then there's the, what I call, oh shit teams, which is they have to kind of, they kind of have to mess around and get trouble a little bit to feel the, to feel the pressure until they can take things seriously. And I kind of feel like this Celtics team has been like that. They've been a little bit of an oh shit team where if you give them, like me in high school, if you gave me an hour to do something, I would wait 55 minutes to, I I had to feel I had to feel that oh shit energy. You yeah. know, I was not the kid that could do it in the first 10 minutes. I'm I'm guessing Kyle, were you what kind of were you a, were you a hammer or a nail when it came to the schoolwork? I, I was doing homework while she was collecting it. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. There we go. I needed that just Kyle, to feel Kyle something. was whispering to the kid in class that got his homework done and is Bars. asking to And I'm like, "Do you have a pencil?" <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan. <laughs> hey, Dan, look at me, Dan. Give me a pencil too. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm a procrastinator as well. You know what I mean? That that's just my natural mo. You and seem it, like you were a good student. I don't know. I was valedictorian. Valedictorian. Don't let him yeah, do that. I knew it. I can but call I, him. I knew it. But I still was a procrastinator, and I also, you know, in the tortoise and the hare, I was definitely the tortoise. You know what I mean? I'm just. I was chilling. I was letting everybody else freak out about it, and then at the end of the day, I, I was a wake up at 5 a.m. and do the paper that is due at 9 a.m. as opposed to like staying up all night and, and fretting about it. You know what I mean? I'm like, let's get some sleep. Let's get myself settled. Let's get the brain ready. Then I wake up in the morning and I'm like frantically getting it done. <laughs> I, I enjoy that, uh, that regiment. In a way, you're just kind of establishing how smart we all, confirming how smart we all think Tate Fraser is. But <laughs> I don't know, like the Celtics seem like a uh, wake up at 5 a.m. right now. Now they're getting the job done with you're you're only able to get up at 5 a.m. and do the paper before if you got the talent to, to seal the deal. And, you know, Jason Tatum obviously came out and was just like, you know, I'm Jason Tatum game six. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did nothing on the front end. And then I, I came my balls the, are huge. Yeah. I'm Jason Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> I make five shots in the fourth quarter and then you get to say your top five player in the world. And then guess what? Game seven, he drops 51 points which goes back to the narrative conversation, right? The Nike narrative is winning, like I said, because Jason Tatum is a Nike guy. Jason Tatum went to Nike University, a.k.a. Duke University. And guess what he did also? He took Steph Curry's claim to fame from the playoffs this year. Now he has the record for Game 7 scoring performance, and he did it in garbage time. I feel like the UA thing is kind of, no offense to any UA people that are listening, Nike's a a behemoth. Obviously, they're not going to get overthrown easily. It would take, it's probably not going to happen, but I feel like this has been over. You know, I feel like in 16, that was kind of the peak of the like, hey, look at these, these uh, super high top uh, Under Armour shoes. Those are kind of interesting. That's like the only <laughs> time in my life I ever like seriously thought about picking up the a pair. The Curry Fours. Yeah, picking the up Curry a pair. The Curry Fours were the, that was the moment in time. And then they decided to drop the, the lawnmower shoes, the white, all white dad shoes. That was the end. That was it, tough. And it happened like within like a three month span. It was like you hit your peak, you flew too close to the sun, and it's gone. You don't debut with the all-white. The all-white is the thing that it's the one that you add on top wherever, like you take all the sort of, with the colors, you want to you launch with a colorway that sort of extenuates the design features, and then you come with the crispy, the crispy, clean platinum mm-hmm. white, and you're like, oh, it And the all-black. It looks know? all good and all-white, yeah. too. But I like, even then... And I'm not trying to further disparage uh, Under Armour here. I guess I'm going to, you know, sort of do it. But like even then when I was thinking about getting them, my father-in-law is the play-by-play guy for Moorhead State Basketball. And I was like texting him. I was like, hey, can you talk to see if they have any pairs? Like I didn't want to pay for them. So I just I'm just saying for this has probably been over. So I guess to your point, this is just sort of an extra. uh, This is the bully holding the holding the uh, the the runt down on the ground and saying like stop hitting yourself kind of you know taking their hands right. like I, I feel like it's been over you know it's been over and it was never even going to be anything from the start for if it wasn't for someone like Stephen Curry he's the only one that sh- that you know was so bright of a light that everyone said oh and the kids love him right every kid you saw was like I want to play like Stephen Curry watch this shoots from half court and you're like no is this breaking basketball <laughs> um, and, and it wasn't his fault but regardless it, it created this whole narrative this whole battle of the brands Jason Tatum takes away the game seven LeBron takes away this series from him and now we're talking about is the Warriors dynasty over you know what I mean these are all things that are all kind of compiling on the side of Nike and I've kind of I think since LeBron went to LA they've been waiting for this moment in the sun and they are stomping on the grave. I mean, this is, uh, I've never seen anything quite like it. The media blitz immediately after that game six ended, it was like, oh, is Curry done? 
are the Warriors done? Is the dynasty over? Some people were already writing articles that it felt like they had in their drafts for five years and then they were putting it out. You know, I mean, it happened so Shams, quickly. Shams did the notebook dump that, that people were like, yeah, this was ready after like Sacramento game two. <laughs> like right. He had it, he had right. it ready. Yeah. It was down, they were down 2-0 and he's like, all right, let me just write the obit right here. Yeah. Um, a lot of people put the obits out and I'm not saying that Nike funded those articles, but I'm just saying <laughs> Nike approved those articles. <laughs> It goes to the top. Follow the follow the, follow the money. Look for the person that benefits. You know, it's that thing. It's also interesting to me too that like there's a thing that went on with Curry and with Iverson where both of those guys struck out and went to different struck out and like ventured out and and went to went AI to other, goes to Reebok. Right. Curry goes to UA. But Nike always has that little thing on them where it's like Davidson in college that that you know those Davidson jerseys that you see show up at Warriors games. Nike little check. swoosh on there, Curry wearing you know the uh, the hyperdunks and things when he was like going wild in the tournament, things like that. Iverson, as we've talked about, we you still see in ads to this day. Iverson College jersey, oh XI Concord. It's like they've they've always got that little Trump on them. As even though you know, even though those guys went on, I, I mean the Iverson brand obviously a little more iconic culturally, I think, and still kind of hanging in there. I don't think I just don't think twenty fifteen years from now we're gonna have. Um, like the Curry, how excited do you think Instagram's going to get? What do you, what do you think the hashtag trends are going to do when the the retro of the Curry Four comes out? Not much. I Not just much. I don't think the the wave's going to be big for that. And, and I don't think that shoes in general can ever sell like they did. So it's kind of like you're in this market that is already you know there, there's already been the one right. So we're all trying to chase something that is unattainable and it's all fragmented, it's all separated, and it'll never be what it once was or what it could be. So there has to be some sort of new market share that people get into to to help sell a product. I don't know what that would be. Shoes obviously make the most sense because everyone on a basketball court is wearing shoes. But LeBron James, the, the ability to basically manipulate the mindset of the American people at this level is a masterclass. And that is why I find him so fascinating because the guy was an 18-year-old. He comes into the league. He already has this aura about him. And Nike and himself have delivered on it at every single checkpoint, so much so that if you're a Michael Jordan fan like myself, you're saying, I don't think I can stop the wave. You know, I, I don't think I can... I don't think I can do this anymore. You know, I mean, every single time the guy does anything, it's like, take that, Michael Jordan. Look, look, look at what he's number one at now. And you're saying, we didn't say anything. What, like, we're, we're 50 cent. Why do you say fuck me for? You know what I mean? And, and that, that's every time that LeBron does anything in the zeitgeist of basketball. And I just think that uh, there's nothing that you can do. Joel Embiid is an Under Armour guy. He had this moment against Jason Tatum, you know, at a, at a lower level. Maybe he steps up and says, I'm also a pillar in this Under Armour community. Nothing, right? So uh, just in the battle of the brands, if Under Armour came and this was their last you know, like little showdown, it was an L across the board. And I really had hope for them. And I think Maryland basketball with Kevin Willard is trending back in the right direction. It hurts that, you know, Notre Dame is going to move on from Under Armour. It hurts that UCLA force majeures a contract to get out of Under Armour and saying that they didn't make back what they were promised. And now they're a Jordan school, a.k.a. Nike school. Like the the battle was happening. There were many battles along the way. 
But the war has been won, and uh, you can check the box. Nike did it again, and it's, it, it's happening right in front of us. It's the Daniel Ocean thing, you know. You you play the house, you know. You maybe you win a couple, but the house usually wins, and then something breaks right, and you bet big. I, we haven't seen something where you know you beat the house. Like no one's been able to do it. It's it's been it's been a it's been a funny thing. And I, I was just thinking about like. Um, you know, LeBron's, I feel like, na- narrative energy, like the narrative thing, like it hasn't been as strong, though, as Jordan. Like I just remember growing, I, I feel like there's like a, there's a lack of like commercial sort of like, I, I feel like Jordan had this like commercial sort of through line of his career where it was just like, okay, you remember like in the the second, the, in the second three-peat he had like for the, the Jordan 12s, they had that like that slow motion commercial mm-hmm. or, or the, uh, you know, tell me I'm older. Like, I just feel like there were those touch points throughout his career. Whereas I don't know that LeBron's had the same thing. You know, I don't, I don't know that LeBron's had the same kind of like commercial uh, rhythm that Jordan's career had. But he has the stands and I won't even call them fans. They have this ability to, make sure almost like bully you into the opinion that is right. Like now I saw after this game and you know, I'm just on Twitter and I just like see the discourse, which is always, I I find it's kind of like WWE at this point, right? You're just seeing what the fallout is, how the fans are reacting to it. But the reaction was LeBron is the dynasty destroyer. That's what people, that's what these people were promoting. LeBron, the underdog. Yes. The the underdog (laughs) dynasty destroyer. Who's had never had any help. And, I think it's a, that's what I mean by it being a masterclass. It's kind of like Coach K is now revered as someone that pioneered one and done basketball in some circles. And you're saying this is the guy that said he wanted, you know, Elton Brand to stay four years in college and basically, you know, ostracized Corey Maggette for saying he's going to go to the NBA after one year. Right. But now he's he's the one that told Jason Tatum he had to go to the draft, even though he was only 19 years old. Right. Yeah. These are how. The, the narratives and the storylines can flip over time. And it goes back, like I said, to Nike. I mean, they've done a great job of no matter what the actuality of the situation is, there's a storyline that they can connect the tissue. I don't know who the marketing team is, but they're working overtime. And they've done a great job of even going back to Cleveland was so genius. I mean, and when he left Cleveland the second time, it was everyone was like, well, he deserves to leave Cleveland. You can't waste his prime, all this sort of stuff. I mean, that is genius stuff. That That is something that you have to marvel at at some level. You can't say, oh, that's whatever. You have to say, man, that's incredible that the not only has the narrative and the marketing, but the actual basketball has matched up. You know, I mean, even in the bubble, when the bubble was getting discussed, will it happen? Won't it happen? Right. All the all the conversation was, well, LeBron wants it to happen. He's begging these owners for it to happen. <laughs> then he goes and plays in the bubble, and he actually okay. well. he actually wins it, though. You know what I mean? Like he he did deliver on it, which is what I think is the most impressive part. Yeah, well, LeBron at that point is looking at his biological clock, and when you're in your 20s and you throw away a little bit of time, I don't know. I think this is something I think about as I get into, you know, I'm in the mid to late 30s zone, so I'm like, you start thinking, when you're in your 20s, you just throw stuff away all the time. You're just like, ah, oh, I got a ton of this, whatever, whatever. When it comes to your athletic prime, I could see why LeBron's sitting around as, the, as and we didn't, at the time, the uncertainty was the big thing, and I know you want to get more into, like, sort of the conditions or the or the parameters of that, you know, ask risk Mickey Mouse title, but I'm sure he was looking around and thinking, I don't know how long this is going to go. I don't know if I'm going to be healthy. I don't know. Like we didn't know anything. So he was just thinking, you know, I'm, I forget what, what was he 35 at that time? Mm -hmm. Um, 
I could I could envision him thinking like I don't know how many more of these I have. I'm sure as hell not going to piss one away just with this. We got a team here that's rolling. Uh, I want to do this, so I, I don't blame him for pushing to do it. Yeah. And and what does he say? Like what what internally? What are they saying as their camp? They're saying LeBron has to win one title in Los Angeles, right? And that'll check the box where there can be no questions asked about why he made this move. And then he delivered it. But then there was the backlash of the haters, right? The haters are loud, Kyle. They're out there. They don't care if you won a championship, especially if it's in a bubble, because then they can say it's Mickey Mouse and you played at the ESPN, you know, little sports center. And, you know, you had Disney Impact at the top. They want to see you win for ratings. All that stuff comes out, right? But let's think about it at, at a real level. He he had such backlash from that that he and Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis kind of felt like he was coasting into the sunset of his career after that bubble championship. But then because <laughs> of the backlash, because of the backlash, they had to answer again. And they have. And that's what I that's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying I'm so impressed with the fact I gave I, I've been giving LeBron a pass since he was 34. Like, how can you still expect this guy to be the number one option to do everything on the basketball court for you? But the amazing part is, in a game, in a game six, he did do that. He didn't do it the whole series, but when he had to pick the moment, he can still tap into that and be that kind of player. That's amazing. That's incredible. And that is an all-time type thing that he is doing. And for Anthony Davis to be back engaged again, defending at the, the, the elite of the elite level, that's great for American basketball, and it's great for Nike. Because Anthony Davis is important. Every, everything. He's a master, Kyle. Do you hear this? How he just it, it's <laughs> it's important. It's important for everybody involved. And I'm a team USA guy, even though they're ran by a bunch of dookies now. We need Anthony Davis. Also a team USA guy. We gotta make it out to Colorado Springs right. at some point. I feel like that's our landscape out there. Kyle we gotta and call Colorado Fran Springs Prishilla. out there. Uh, the, the 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 drinks and the there's a lot of just uh enjoying to be had out there. You know, I just uh I think that's our that's our scene, Tate. We got to get to Colorado. Springs. That's where I want to be uh, in my career. I want to be around Team USA because I like when we can all come together for the common enemy, which is Eastern European basketball. Hell yeah, we have to we have to go after that. Even though I love Team Croatia, you know I I respect Lithuania. When it comes down to it, we're USA basketball, and we're top dogs for a reason. And we got to go win every single international event that happens. I don't care if it's U sixteen. I don't care if it's U eight. We got to win those games. Um, so in I general, get really fired up for the U8 games, personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those U8 games are different. Remember we saw those third graders that were like flexing on everybody? Get them in the system. Get them. <laughs> That's American basketball. American. If anything represents American capitalist mindset, it's those kids. Get them out there. Look at their Nikes. Look at the Nikes they have on. They're ready. Um, but yeah, just to, to bring it back full circle to the conversation, the Mickey Mouse title was always a joke. It was always just kind of like a little stickler point to to throw at LeBron if you are one of these LeBron haters. So you're sticking with this. You're sticking with the, this was a Mickey Mouse title. I'm like sticking with it was never one, and I said it in jest. Oh, okay, I see. All yeah, right, yeah, I yeah. missed that. I'm slow. Sorry, my No, bad. no, no. Yeah. I, I, I will say that till I die because I am Michael Jordan's. I, I feel like I'm one of the defenders out here on the front lines for Jordan, but I, I'm tired. I don't want to keep arguing about it. I don't think that it is really a conversation, but I also respect when you look at the resume of LeBron, 
I mean, it's it's the time. The I mean, density of it is the is the thing. I right. mean, if George, that's the thing that LeBron has on the a lot wave of people, is going to crash. Yeah. The wave is going to crash down, and you're just going to have to deal with the fallout. And with time, as I'm sure there were Wilt Chamberlain defenders or Kareem defenders that, as Michael Jordan was getting called the greatest player by Bob Knight in 1984, and you know all these different coaches along the line, Chuck Daly, whoever it was that said he was the best player. I'm sure there were Kareem defenders, UCLA fans that are like, no, he's not. Yeah. Does he have an unstoppable shot? <laughs> and then they leave it at that, right? So this is just the discourse in general. I think the best thing that Nike and Jordan could do as brands could have a little sit down, like kind of meeting of the minds where LeBron and Jordan, because they, they do respect each other. And I think LeBron has beyond an affinity for Michael Jordan. Obviously, he wears number 23. So I think if they had a little meeting of the minds and they sat down and they had a conversation and Jordan had his guard down, LeBron has his guard down, it would be amazing television. And guess who you get to moderate it? Our guy, Charles Barkley. Brilliant. Charles Barkley moderates it. Ernie Johnson is there to actually moderate it. And then you have Jordan and LeBron, and you kind of have this moment where we all got to be on the same side of the fence at the end of the day. This is American basketball. The 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 horses are coming. They're coming from from overseas. The, Ser- the Serbian horses are coming. <laughs> they are coming. Jokic <laughs> on his horse is coming. Giannis is already here, and and we got to break bread. It's it's time to break bread. So I'm I'm saying the Mickey Mouse title, not because of the conference finals rematch that's happening right now. I'm just saying in general, it was a fun joke. It was fun while it lasted. We got three great years out of it. I mean, I enjoyed the three year run. I I made the joke a lot. It was always good. But let's let's let it be. Let's let it rest. Let's let LeBron have his moment. Let's have a fun conference finals. And as a USA basketball fan, you have to be pulling for LeBron and Anthony Davis. It's like when I watch Coach K on the sidelines of USA basketball, do you know how hard it is to pull for that guy? Hard. It's tough. <laughs> it, it, it's, it makes you sick to your stomach, but it's a greater good that is at play here, and it's USA basketball. And that is my pitch right now to everybody. Even if you hate the Lakers, even if you hate LeBron, this is this is bigger. This is Nike. This is USA Basketball. This is what we need. We need to show up and we need to get a win. You're finding ways to bring people together, Tate, and I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I think that's that's a noble thing that you're doing. Last thing uh, before we move on, because I thought this was a great storyline. Uh, Jimmy Butler is also in the conference finals. I think Jimmy Butler has become the fan favorite um, in in the NBA right now. If you talk to a casual fan that has seen Jimmy Butler play, they're like, I don't know who's supposed to win, but I like that guy. I like Jimmy. I'm riding with Jimmy's. You know, sometimes it's about the X's and O's. Sometimes it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. This is about Jimmy Butler. And I thought a great story that came out, Pat Riley went to Jimmy Butler when he came to Miami and said, I know that we have retired Michael Jordan's 23 and nobody knows why other than the respect tip of the cap for the Miami Heat um, back in the day because they saw him play at his prime. But they said to Jimmy Butler, Pat Riley did, we will unretire 23, Michael Jordan, and we will give you that number and you can wear it. And Jimmy Butler said no. He will continue to wear 22. He's one echelon below Michael Jordan. Just one. Just yeah. one echelon <laughs> in his mind. But I, I thought that was I a, love that though. Yeah. I, I, love I thought that. that was a great, like one PR move for Jimmy. And two, it's the greatest subtweet maybe of all time to LeBron James from Pat Riley, who is fighting his own war against LeBron James because he's saying, you screwed me. This shit is hard. You didn't stick it out. And you left me and you left me high and dry. And I found a guy who's not the same, obviously, but he's pretty damn close. He's an A if you're an A plus and he and he's working his way up there. And I was willing to give him 23 and not you. And and I thought that that was one of those uh, 
uh, if I'm Nike, if I'm the marketing department, I'm like, what did Pat Riley say? Yeah. What did they put out? You know that that was. I'm a, wondering why Pat Riley isn't running Nike. If that's a, that's a pretty that's that's 40 chess move there. That to was be thinking ahead of that. That that's was amazing. Some epic pettiness. I love it. So I'm at the point now where I'm like, I know we 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 have to respect the Boston Celtics. I, what Jason Tatum did was amazing, but I think a Jimmy Butler LeBron James showdown in the finals would be. I know we already saw it in the bubble, but I want to see it when LeBron goes to Miami. I want to see it when Jimmy goes to Los Angeles and, and the crowd can, you know, witness the Jimmy Butler experience. And I think he's the kind of guy that when he looks courtside and sees Jack Nicholson and sees all these celebrities, you know, he's he's enjoying and embracing that moment. So I, I think that is what I am uh, to wrap this whole little Nike segment up. I think that is the Nike dream matchup. And I know they want the Celtics, but Jimmy Butler versus LeBron. That's what America needs. Yeah. Jimmy, when he gets that little, there's some, there's some Jack parallels with Jimmy. Jimmy gets that little wry grin going, you know, you know, Jack kind of has the same thing where you're like just he like, knows something that you, you don't. You're know. like, what's going on behind those eyes? I don't. What what is going on? He just he has that that self assuredness that is uh, that is uh, appealing. You know, you could see when when he's not on your team, it's maddening. You're like, he's gonna get us, and it's been pretty. It's been pretty. Kudos to the Podfather for calling calling this out early. The zombie heat. He was he was a sort of running around with it with his like the you know his uh, picket sign saying that the zombie heat are coming and people laughed and here they are. I mean I have to I have to give credit there. I texted uh, Bill in January. Um, this is before I was even working here, and I asked him because I just thought this year was so open ended. I was like, who is the favorite in your mind right now out of the East? Because I, in my mind, it was like Celtics, obviously, are in the conversation. Then it was, you know, the Bucks, obviously, with Giannis. And then maybe you talk yourself into the Sixers. And I kind of wanted to see what he thought about the Sixers. And he was like, no, nah, Philly, no. Uh, don't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. I feel like they got the MVP. Harden looks like he's, you know, whatever. But he he mentioned then. He was like, I just think Miami is the team if you're Boston. You're worried about Miami, seeing Miami again. And I thought he was... A little out of his rocker there, and uh, it felt a little doomsday preppy. You know, it felt a little <laughs> like let's get you know let's 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 acquire all these guards in case the end comes. That we have all these you know dried snacks that we can we can go to if the, you know it's a, a like a little we'll build a bunker in case we have to play the heat kind of a thing. And then lo and behold, you you laugh at doomsday preppers, and then you know when the shit goes down, where are you? You're stuck mm. outside having to fight Jimmy Butler. So I don't know. It's. Uh, it's a it's an interesting situation here. What kind? What shoes does Jokic Jokic wear? Do we know? I always said I think he should wear Air Monarch fours. Mm. I always thought that that's what he should play. And yeah. in fact, I've always thought it'd be interesting if Jokic played just in a bathrobe and with a cigarette. Yeah. Like I thought. That I kind of think he should have like Uggs on, and and uh, or like pumps, like Reebok pumps. I mean, he needs to have something that's a little bit out there. I don't even know what like that just goes to show how Jokic is off the radar. I mean, I don't even know what brand he is. Like Nike Air Zoom GT. He's wearing Nikes. All right, so look, guaranteed Nike, Nike wins the NBA Finals. Okay. If you want to know who wins the NBA Finals, it looks like it's going to be Nike. Yeah, those are yeah, those are like high top. You know, they got a little heel technology there. Yeah, it looks like uh, I've seen people hoop in these. It's it's a big guy shoe, a lot of ankle support. Mm. It looks like it's it looks like it's pretty indestructible. Not not, but I always thought Monarchs would be a good one for him. I think they'd sell a lot of Monarchs if they went that way. I you think know. Jokic could sell shoes? You, a lot think of, you think they need help selling Monarchs? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> there are dads out there. That, yeah, it's the dad shoe. I just think Jokic <laughs> has a has a dad. I, I tweeted out. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that clip of uh, of Steven Seagal when he was like dim- doing that kung fu demonstration oh, yeah. and the dudes were coming at him and he just like nonchalantly <laughs> was throwing them by their heads. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's kind of Jokic's play style, and I just feel like you could really marry that with like a monarch 
campaign. Yeah. And he'd be playing in a, you know, they say they're really comfortable, you know, you're hooping out there in a lot of comfort. He's a game that just looks comfortable. It never looks rushed or, or, uh, you know, out over skis. It just, uh, it seems like a good pairing for me. So, you know, I need the Jokic Nike commercial, the definitive Nike commercial. Maybe it's something where they're like, Hey, Jokic, let's play a game of horse. And then he shows up with his horses and he's confused and everyone's <laughs> like, Oh my God, what's going on here? There would be something about him not giving a shit, you know, cause I, I love that. I was there at that clip of, the, of him at the all-star game where they were like, what do you think about the MVP? And he was like, well, last year I said, I didn't want it. And you guys still gave it to me. So this year I'm going to say I do want it. And you know, he just like, he just has this amusing sort of like laid backness about him that, uh, I don't know. I think you could tie it to a shoe marketing. Campaign. Yeah. And he also tanked the MVP this year. I mean, there, there is a direct correlation between the conversation around the MVP when that was being decided and voters were putting in their vote and Jokic not trying for like five or six straight games. And then, you know, all of a sudden he's playing at the highest level possible when he's he kinda, needs it the he's most. He's kind of the Marlon Brando of the <laughs> NBA a little bit. I just feel like Jokic at the end of his career is going to be laid back with an earpiece in and Mike Malone's going to mm. be like, hey, high post, duh, pump fake. You know, I just feel like at some point it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how much his laissez-fairness can continue to dominate in the NBA. I, I love his I love his style. Love him as a player. I love him as a player as well. Let's take a quick break right here, and then we will come back and talk about the transfer portal because it officially closed. There's still some big names out there and uh, always some good movement happening in the world of college basketball. Also, Indiana basketball, Mark Cuban making some moves happen there. We'll talk about that. Let's take a quick break, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, we're back. We're talking college basketball because, you know, that's something that you come here for. And, uh, you know, Nike is involved at the highest level of college basketball. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just messing with everybody. We're not going to talk about Nike anymore. Uh, We're going to talk about recruiting and uh, what's happening in the transfer portal because one of the bigger surprise, maybe not surprise, but just a big name uh, in our world because we really enjoyed the Creighton Blue Jays of a year ago, thought that they were, you know, a Final Four caliber team, maybe even more had a lot of talent, but they've also had a lot of um, defectors is probably the best word for it. And one of those guys is Art Kaluma, Arthur Kaluma, who is a talented, you know, small forward, plays the four for them usually, but probably translates more to a small forward at the next level. He put his name in the portal. And let's start there, Kyle, man. How shocked for you to see that? And then we can forecast a little bit where he fits in. And I'll I'll throw out some ideas and some places. There, you're not really hearing much smoke on where he's going to go, but this changes the entire makeup of Creighton in general. And obviously, they already lost Nimhard to Gonzaga. Yeah, I was telling you, it's kind it kind of stinks for for Creighton. You you get this thing rolling, and and you have a, a starting five that you could just run it back with, and you would think that they would look at what they have and and say, okay, let's let's secure this. I don't I don't think we have anybody that's like for sure projected to going to be like a, tr- a top draft pick. I think we can keep these guys together. And then we add to it. It's kind of the thing of like, hey, do you want to come play with this team that we know is going to go? We're playing winning basketball. And uh, it's been disrupted. You know, they they lose Nimhard. Now Kaluma potentially. Uh, but have you heard? I mean, the thing about Kaluma is, you know, big, big, you know, four, three kind of forward long arms, kind of a powerful driver. He's a little bit chaotic, you know, doesn't shoot it super well from three, really didn't shoot it well from three in the tournament. He was like 18%, mm. average about 10.8 points. I mean, he's not like the most critical guy for them. He's not the thing that like keeps it humming, but he was an important like athletic, tr- like an athletic piece for them once they kind of 
match up like in the the higher weight classes that are going to be waiting for you there at the exactly. end. Exactly, it helped the airport tests for Creighton when they played the Blue Bloods and the New Bloods and the the high profile teams like a UConn, who obviously the national the, champs. the layup line test too. You, right. you know the thing where you look over on the other end of the court, you're like, oh god, that guy just did a double pump, you know, windmill. What was that with two hands? That was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Nimhard's a little bit smaller. You know, I mean, you got Baylor Shireman, who obviously, you know, a lot of people would say it doesn't really scare you on the airport test. Cockbrenner, who's kind of a lanky, you know tall guy, you know, so he doesn't really do that. Kaluma was the athletic freak on this team that, you know, he could guard the inbounds and he's jumping, you know, 48 inches in the air and you're like, wow, this guy is unbelievable, right? Um, That is who he is as a player. And the worst part about Creighton in general is like when you're in this, this world of current college basketball, teams are scouting you and they're looking at you like, for for example, Arizona, right there at the Maui Invitational, they, they play Creighton in the championship game and they're looking across the line and, you know, Tommy Lloyd probably would never say this on the record, but he sees Nimhart on the other side and he's saying, wow, they have a better point guard than us. I want him, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. eventually he tries to recruit him to Arizona and he goes to Gonzaga where his brother played. And, you know, obviously Tommy Lloyd has his connection to Gonzaga was down to those two schools, but that's the world we live in now. So there's teams that are playing Creighton. They see Kaluma and they're saying, well, he's probably the second or third option on this team. What about if we brought him here and now he's, you know, our number one option, or if we bring him here and we're a championship type team and he's our fourth or fifth option, we don't have to put, you know, ball responsibility on him and we can let him just kind of rely on his athleticism and do all that sort of stuff. So I look at Creighton and I almost feel bad for him because they, they have kind of just been poached by the bigger suitors out there. And it's crazy to think like Gonzaga and Creighton, right? They're kind of similar private schools, smaller schools, but that's what's happening in this landscape right now. And they're kind of the the lowest level of the first tier is where Creighton is. And now the top tier of the top tier <laughs> is trying to take your team away from you. And it's it's a it's a panic button type thing. And now it'll be fascinating to see where Kaluma goes because you immediately go to Blue Bloods. I t- we talked about Baylor Shireman was kind of a Blue Blood type player where Kentucky, Duke, all these teams want him, Kansas. Um, I feel like Kaluma checks that box as well where I wouldn't be surprised if we get a news alert that Calipari brings him on campus, right? Or It feels very Calipari-ish to me. I don't know that it would be a good move for them to add him, or I don't even know if they're thinking about it. But if you look at Kaluma, oh, well, first thing I wanted to say, too, well, we'll talk about Kaluma first. Like, I just think for him and his draft prospects, I don't know that, like, moving to another situation would really move the needle all that much for him based on what he's doing. I think it would probably probably be the best situation for him to be in that starting lineup in that in that conference that he's in because they do play good competition in the Big East as we saw the Big East was freaking awesome this past year yep. and I don't you know if he goes into another blue I just don't NIL could be the one thing that you could see but I honestly think he's probably a bigger fish at Creighton honestly you move over to a, a blue blood and maybe you're just you're not shining as bright uh, but he's somebody that's been on the radar for a while as I've brought it before he was a teammate with Shaden Sharp at Dream City Prep he's a guy who's been kind of around he just ended up at Creighton and um, but I was going to say to you too that like it's just a cruel ecosystem, man. I mean, it's even more cruel than the NBA, where it's like in the NBA, you know, during the offseason, there, you know, the con- there are these contracts and there are all kinds of stipulations and there there's legality to it with this. With the NIL thing, it's very like we're going to have to hit a, an inflection point where some of this like gets more um, on the books, 
concrete. We have more like the rules will have to evolve because it reminds me of uh, met my wife and I. Have you ever watched that show Prehistoric Planet on Apple Plus? It's I know, but I never watched it though. Yeah, <laughs> it reminds it. me of this scene where like uh, this one dinosaur was basically like <laughs> hatching these kids, and but there and so they had this big open area where this one species was like had all these babies, and there was this other like huge species that was like sitting there with them that just is walking around and he's just plucking the babies, just like flat out just eating them. And I was like, That's Bill is, Self. I was like, This is savage. I was yeah. like, this is so demoralizing. That I was like, well, self I was like, yeah, I was just like, well, this is, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, this is how you would feel if you were a mid-major. You were just like, they're coming for our guys. What are we going to do about it? They're not under contract. They're not going to be stipulated. Then they don't have to wait. So if you're, if it, it's just kind of, it just feeds up. Like if you're at the bottom, I know people are talking about the mid-majors and things, but they're pulling from the people below them. It's just become a feeding cycle that goes all the way to the top. And God, it's, it's, it is, it's savage. It's tough. And you had guys like, uh, for example, Mark Sears, who goes goes to Alabama and plays for them this year. He was at Ohio and he went to his coach at Ohio and said, thank you for you basically giving me the opportunities. So now that I can go play it with the big leagues. Right. So it's, and you know, your coach at Ohio is looking at you and he's like, what? You know what I mean? Like I gave you this amazing <laughs> opportunity and now you're thanking me as you leave me. You know, it's, it's created this very strange relationship and strained relationships, obviously across the board in college basketball. And I think Greg McDermott, um, has been pretty candid about it. And he's basically said, this is the world we live in now. It, it is what it is. I wish that, you know, it, it wasn't that way, but also I'm recruiting guys off other teams as well. So I really can't play the victim, you know, because we're all doing it to each other. And college basketball has always been a handshake type deal economy. And the NBA, like you said, we got a lot of lawyers. We got a lot of legal jargon. We got a union. We got all of this, you know, red tape that's in the middle of it. And college basketball is, you know, we're a bunch of cowboys, right? It's the wild, wild west. Uh, we like this guy. We want this guy. We paid this guy. And he comes here and he plays for us now. Guess what? He changes his jersey. That's... <laughs> That's as, as simple as it is. Tomorrow, no, right. no, there's no contract with it. Like it's just, it's amazing. Like, uh, yeah, and it and it lends to the situation where you know you don't always know where the grass is greener. Hunter Dickinson did a great job of showing us every plot of land, you know, in the field by being like, "This is what Georgetown's offering. This is what Bill Self was was telling me he could do. Here's what Michigan was paying me last year." He actually was a great, um, you know, kind of study for all of us to see what does the NIL landscape look like. And I think you're right, Kaluma. Now he goes into the marketplace he sees what the market is for himself and you know at some point he may say hey greg mcdermott is Kalkbrenner coming back because Kalkbrenner is testing the waters we don't know if he's going to get drafted i i'm not sure where he's going to be on a board but Kalkbrenner says i don't like my prospects i can probably get paid to come back to creighton i'll make eighty thousand dollars or whatever it is and then plus whatever else i can get it'll be way more than that maybe more than that right i'm just saying baseline right a lot of these teams pay them like a forty thousand sixty thousand eighty thousand and then the rest is on you that you can make so he comes back you got Baylor Shireman's already confirmed he's coming back. And then Kaluma starts, like you said, starts working in his brain, says, I have more shots, I have more opportunities. I have more of a spotlight. I play in the Big East. UConn has a chance to even repeat. All right, I'll come back to Creighton. So it's not a, a done deal, but it is crazy that we live in a world now where it's like you used to test the waters for the NBA market. Now you test the waters for your NIL market. And uh, and that is just the, the kind of the the world we live in now. It's strange. Um, it, it's confusing, right? How long until high school's like that? How long until high school lets NIL creep in? Because I know that there's been some stuff. I mean, like the, they, they flirted with that. I mean, I know, well, Bronny 
you know, Bronny had said, of course, th- when did he sign that deal? When did he start getting, uh, 11th grade? I think he was a junior. Well, yeah. So I just, anyway, yeah, it just, it is, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough ecosystem. And we've also seen, you know, I, I we always talk about, I mean, obviously you just spent 30 minutes talking about the brands, but we've also seen in college, it's a little bit different because it used to be, oh, you're in the Adidas circuit. You go to an Adidas school, you're in the UA circuit, you go to a UA school, you know, all that sort of stuff. Now you have someone like Haley Van Lith, right? Who's at Louisville. She's signed to Adidas. She does Adidas photo shoots. She does Adidas branding, all this sort of stuff. She goes to LSU, a Nike school, and Adidas says, we don't care. She can she can wear Nike on the court and be at LSU, but everything else she does, she'll be in Adidas. And we're willing to take that risk because of the, the profile of the team. And eventually it'll, it'll lend back to Adidas. And there also will probably be a game where Haley has like some sort of, you know, Michael Jordan-esque covering of the Nike check, right? <laughs> Whatever it may be. It might, she puts a patch for one of her friends or something. Who knows? Yeah. But like, that's also the, the other part of this where it's like the, the player has their own brand deal. The school has their own brand deal. They can be competing on the same court against each other live in college basketball like we've never seen before. It's like guerrilla marketing, right? I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. And then you add in the NIL part of it in general, and uh, it's just a little bit of chaos. But uh, he's not the only one, Art Kaluma, that's kind of in the conversation of that group. There's another guy, Julian Phillips from Tennessee, um, who to me has a lot of NBA potential. I think he could be one of those types of players. Um, he put his name in the portal, uh, Tennessee has, you know, kind of had, you know, they've had Dalton Neck decides to come to Tennessee, right? That was a big name that was in the portal. Um, he plays small forward also. So Julian Phillips, I guess, looks and says, I'm going to lose some playing time. I'm going to go look elsewhere. Do you see, do you forecast a, a fit for someone? And then there's Kamwa, Olivier Kamwa, who we, who we also saw in the NCAA tournament, who had a great tournament and showed some flashes. So those two guys coming out of Tennessee, they're still in the portal and there's got to be blue bloods and other programs that are saying, I'll take a, I'll take a chance on a former five-star guy and give him some shots here and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's somebody that was on draft boards throughout the year. And I, I think that he sort of regressed a little bit in terms of the enthusiasm. I think people started to pick him apart, but he's somebody that I think could, could definitely benefit from coming back to school. Um, I believe he's a South Carolina native, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, that could be somebody that you could uh, potentially see them go after. We've seen them throw uh, some bags at, at some <laughs> folks. Uh, that that would be a, that would be an interesting one, but yeah, another year year, year of college would be good for him. And Kamwa, I don't has Kamwa had any kind of scuttlebutt on on where he's headed? I haven't really heard much about Kamwa lately. I've, I was uh, I went back through the portal just to see guys. You know, I was trying to find the biggest names that are still kind of outstanding and, and looking out there to see what was going to happen. And he was a name that I feel like should be talked about more, especially after the NCAA tournament. I thought that he might be a guy that gets invited to the combine potentially just because of you know, the raw skills that we saw and, you know, he plays up in a big moment in March, but for whatever reason, um, he's just still out there and still looming. And, uh, I don't know how many more spots some of these quote unquote blue bloods have either, you know, Kansas seems like they've got their fill. They figured out who they are with their group. They get Morris, they get Dickinson, right. Um, they get Timberlake. They know what they're doing. Kentucky's the one that I still feel like there might be more moves to be made. Uh, you would think so. They've been talking with uh, Kashad Johnson. I don't know if that's actually gone down yet or not. There was some talk that he he visited UK this past weekend. I personally don't like that fit. Um, you know, I, I think that he's a guy, you know, all of his offense is like eight feet and in. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you're getting sort of a less functional version of J- Jacob Toppin at that point. You got a non-shooting four 
I don't love it. I'm not a fan of it. So that's kind of, I'm going to go on record and just say that I think it's going to enable Cal to kind of do the things that he likes to do that are, that are tough lineup wise. Just let's get a lot of non-shooters out there to clog things up. He's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, he's already talked about playing, you know, he's already talked about playing Yugo uh, uh, and Yenso. And if Oscar comes back, he'll play those guys together. I honestly don't know what they're doing. I, I've had, uh, should I do this now? I don't know. I've had, a, I've had a big problem with sort of the, the roster. I don't know whether it's Antigua or Chin Coleman or whoever it is. That's been sort of like the, the GM going on right now. I just, I just feel like the, the lack, there's been a lack of vision, honestly. Uh, we'll see. I could, I could live to eat those words, but uh, I, I don't know. I for for a team that has a number one class coming in, I have like a sickly. Granted, I'm kind of p- pessimistic in general, but I have kind of a sickly feeling, Tate. I don't know what it is. I just don't feel. I don't feel great about it. Yeah, yeah. and you get a situation too where it's like DJ Wagner and Dillingham. Like they're gonna have to learn to play together. That's gonna take some time to formulate. They're kind of both ball dominant guys in a way. I think Wagner can play more off the ball than Dillingham, but yeah, there's just gonna be more questions than answers at the start, and especially if you're Calipari, where people have had a lot of questions about your roster construction over the past few years, you kind of need to hit on this one, especially when you have the number one class and, you know, Kentucky, you know, blue blood fans, they know who this class is. They have known about them for a couple years. They have an expectation because of that number one next to their name. What do you what do you what do you make of the clutch dynamic though? There were reports that Cal flew out to LA to like meet with Rich Paul and stuff like that. That also concerns me. I'm just like, you know, if you can't get Chris Livingston to come back when it seems like everyone is saying go back to college, Chris Livingston, and it's like he would be a great fit with this team and they're still fighting him on coming back. It just feels like politically uh, that's going to put a strain on them. I don't know. The clutch thing is a black box that I just kind of can't quite figure out how that's going to serve UK here. Yeah, and if you're Rich Paul, he seems like a guy that likes the movie American Gangster. It feels like something that he watches <laughs> in his free time a lot. And I know one thing that Frank Lucas said is you got to cut out the middleman. And I feel like Rich Paul's uh, whole philosophy when it comes to college basketball is like, why are we... Why are we giving these guys to the middleman? And why are we letting the middleman make decisions about their career? Like, this is not something we want to deal with. And Calipari, unfortunately, has found himself in a situation where he's basically the middleman for the clutch agenda. And that is his nightmare because it used to be, you know, I'm head honcho, I'm the boss. Um, it's a lot of, uh, you know, in South Park, there's a time where they, they keep like having different, like, uh, law enforcement come in is like, you're not the boss here. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's in charge of the situation. That's what it feels like with, with clutch (laughs) where they're just like, we are actually in charge here. Um, and that's, that's scary. And I don't think Calipari wants to stay in that pool. It's, it's, but it's also scary to get out of that pool because they're going to get top players every single year. You know, it's, it's a guarantee. So it's, it's a double edged sword for him. And I, I appreciate that he flew out to meet face to face because he's probably probably tired of texting and emailing and talking on the phone. Every, well, they're, they're everybody's afraid, big and bad over the phone. They were afraid they were going to lose Bradshaw. That's the other yeah. thing that, that Aaron Bradshaw was going to go play for USC. And I just, it, it, the whole thing about like cutting out the middleman that, that is built, that is built on the basis of, we have no faith that these guys are in it for the good of the kids that like that, that just sort of is undermines to me, to me, that's stating like, we don't think that these guys have the best interest of the kids. Like they're just in it for themselves. Like cutting, saying they're the middlemen. Yeah, they do benefit, but they also do benefit the kids. I mean, we've seen over and yeah. over again, and I guess maybe that's sort of a division whenever you, when there's, there's a lot of sort of commentary when you hear about guys who played one year in college, they were, and they, and you heard DeMarcus Cousins talk about like how the NIL thing, he's like, this is reparation basically that like all this feels no sorry sorrow for them uh, it just seems like the clutch thing is all built on that like you know we we don't think that we necessarily need to have these kids in college to develop purely for that reason that like that development 
they're not seeing it as a super valuable thing. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't know. Well, they're saying we can hire Drew Hanlon or whatever you know, coach, trainer, whatever you want to call them, and and they'll get them ready more so than playing in a college system where they don't even get to show their full arsenal, their full bag, or whatever they want to say. And you can argue that both, you know, you can argue that until you can't breathe. But it's also, I think there's benefits on both sides for both parties. And they both know that. So they're going to figure out a way. But Livingston, to me, it's like if he doesn't come back, then you're in the Kaluma conversation more so, right? I mean, that you're you're just kind of replacing him with a more proven player. Maybe not, a uh, you know, a guy that doesn't have as high of a ceiling. But I think they have similar ceilings, in my opinion. Yeah. Even though there's the clutch agenda says he's better than Jason Tatum. So I don't know. It's somewhere in, somewhere in between. Uh, we well we can't go into any, any specifics on that one <laughs> for confidentiality. But um, yeah, like I personally think Livingston is a, is a better player than than Kaluma. But I, I think basically kind of what I'm what I'm getting at too here is that uh, I think that uh, you you hit on it too that like going to college and things like that and like having that experience of playing in high stakes games. You and I were chatting about this with Connor Nevins earlier, or one of our podcast managers. Um. I do think there's value in that. I do I do think that you can't undermine that experience of going and, and playing together in a team environment like that and getting um I don't I don't know that like going with a trainer can replicate that because and we've seen and you know we're a brand show, we've seen the damage that that can do to a brand. You know, some of these guys yeah. are just kind of off the radar and people are like, you know, when it comes draft time, they're like, who? And you know, maybe that has a marketing impact that won't keep you in the league long term and who gives a shit? Like the basketball stuff is all that matters. But I do think that like being with the team, and I've made this point a lot. Like, what if we had seen Scoot in like the NCAA tournament? Like, I, I think that that would have been that would have been good for his sort of brand saturation. And uh, whether or not that would have made him a better basketball player long term, um, I don't know. But I do think that it would have. I, I personally think that it's a good. You know, if if you're gonna play pre college, if you're or pre NBA, if you're if you're forced to for that year, yeah, I think you might as well play in the high stakes games and get some of that. It, some of that resiliency it forces you to sort of like do. It's instead of like in January, are you playing OKC Blue? No offense to them. Are you gonna get riled up to beat OKC Blue in a back to back on the road? Probably not. Whereas, like, if you're going to go play, you know, Carolina on the road, I, I feel like that's a more valuable experience. And it creates this, um, in my opinion, I think it creates this kind of when you do get to the big show with the NBA, there's almost this like relationship with fandom that is not, um, it hasn't, it hasn't been learned. You know what I mean? You don't understand how fans react. So then there's more of like this almost like disdain for the fans, right? And in college, I think once you get the wins and you feel the adulation, then when you lose, you feel the lows, right? You kind of find what that balance is and you understand the, the you know, the, the fact that fans are fans and they're called fanatics for a reason. Like I think of Isaiah Todd as one of those people. He's from Virginia, from Richmond. If he goes and plays for Tony Bennett for one year, I think that does him wonders. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I think it also gets him more opportunities in the NBA because now you have advocators on your side that are connected and know certain people and have these relationships. Your coach played in the NBA, and now you have people advocating for you that are validated by the people in these circles that are in the front office. And I don't know. I think in, in the end, it helps you have more of a network where if you go to the G League Ignite or one of these places, they – their network is the same network, you know what I mean? And you're kind of competing with people for the same network connection. So I think in the end, the, the college, there's a lot of reasons. And socialization is the biggest. I mean, I socialization so is huge. It is huge. It is huge. And I, I think the last thing I'd say, I think that the brand, the sort of individual brand thing, and I'm not trying to be like old guy, yell at the cloud about this, but like the individual brand thing does sort of put a strain 
on um, submitting yourself to like accountability, which I think, and that's different player to player. Not every player is, some guys are self-motivated and they are accountable in the fact that they're competitive and they give a shit and that's great. Like Scoot. But, I think Scoot checks that box. I think yeah. he's that kind of guy. But there's some people that like, you know, the, the, the weight of their brand against, it can, it can make them feel like, okay, well, at any moment I have this trap door that I could just go and do my own thing because my brand is so powerful. I know that these things are in line for me to go play and things like that. Um, and I don't know that that's exactly healthy for every single player, you mm -hmm. know, and I think that's something about the transfer portal that, that is sort of a strain where it's like, and it, for, like I said, from player to player, the people that's, that are guiding them might be above board and perfect and guiding them in the right direction, but it's something that you can kind of see guys fall through the cracks, and uh, it makes you worry since the guys are so young. Yeah, speaking of a guy who is taking our advice of, you know, going to a system for probably one year, McKenzie Mbaco, who's a former Duke commit, looked great at the Nike Hoop Summit. I thought he showed some, you know, some real life. Um, and, and when you look at this class, which is much maligned, everyone talks about how there's no real star in this class. I think Isaiah Collier is a star. I think Mbaco is a guy who could go and be a star, and he's going to go to Indiana. Indiana's now going to have two McDonald's All-Americans on their team. Um, the first year of the McDonald's game, 1977, they got two McDonald's All-Americans. Now Mike Woodson has two with Ware. Who were the ones in 77? Was it, uh, who was that? <sighs> Isaiah was 79, was when he came in. So I, I can't even remember the two off the top of my head. But um, ha, Gotcha. Got that's, me. A, that's a tough trivia one there. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I wish uh, I wish I had that pulled up, Kyle. Your but parents yeah. are gonna be so disappointed. Yeah, my dad's gonna be like yelling the two names at me, like <laughs> through the through the uh, through the podcast right now. But in general, the fact that Mike Woodson now has Khalil Ware, the number two transfer uh, coming from Oregon and Mbako to come in, and it was between Indiana and Kansas, Adidas. Um, <laughs> but between those two schools. And the fact that Indiana wins this war, right? They they usually lose out to the head honcho of the Adidas, you know, you know, operation. And they get McKenzie. He says that he loves everything Woodson was selling him. I think this goes back to what I thought about Woodson when they hired him. I think he has the perfect combination of the NBA, current NBA, and also the old school Bob Knight, Indiana Hoosier world. He has connected those two worlds. Um, and he's done a brilliant job. I mean, the, the basketball has not quite been there, but I think that they were kind of locked in with Trace. I'm excited to see what this looks like. I think this is great for Mbaco. I think this is great for Indiana. And I think this is kind of the move of the modern one and done, right? I mean, you don't have to go to Kentucky or Duke. Maybe you go try to chart your own path. Um, and also you can get people that are players to come in the portal so that you don't go there by yourself, right? I mean, we saw what happened with Gigi Jackson out of South Carolina. He needed help. He needed something. Michi Johnson wasn't going to do it for him, even though Michi played pretty well. But yeah. I like the situation and the setup for Ibaka. And I like that Indiana replaces Trace Jackson Davis with another McDonald's All-American that's coming in as a freshman. And I don't know. I, I just see that, and I'm saying that's that's a good model for the current game. You bring in a five-star in the portal. You bring in a five-star from high school. You try to marry them together, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think Ibaka is a guy that uh, it'll, be a nice, it'll be a nice setting for him. Like, I, I think that... Uh, Woodson, like you said, NBA NBA experience. It's a it's a good conference, good competition. Um, yeah, I'm, I think it's a good move for him. And and it's it's interesting too that uh, you want to talk about like uh, playing. <laughs> Mbako played on an EYBL team that had Wagner and Bradshaw on it. Mm -hmm. uh, it he's a guy that's played around a lot of talent. That's why I was wondering if he would maybe end up going to a blue blood, but. Uh, yeah, in the end, it'll be a good fit for him. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Um, just a few more things before we get to shout-outs because I hope, Kyle, do you have your voice back? Are you getting it back? 
Working on it. He's working that on it. That sounds better, doesn't it? Yeah, it does sound better. Uh, quickly, I wanted to shout out eight players. The, the G League elite camp um, happened this weekend. There was conversations. Guys like Marquise Noel, who we fell in love with during the NCAA tournament, obviously. He was there. Had a great first day, not so great second day. Um, but there were eight players um, that were called up uh, to the actual NBA draft combine. And two I wanted to highlight or actually three I wanted to highlight. Um, one being our guy, an OSP or Serge Jabari Rice. Oh, baby. This guy's I thought a of sniper. you when I saw it. Yeah, yeah this guy's a sniper. Um, I have been a fan. I think he's a great six-man. Obviously, he was at Texas. Ended up playing starter minutes, but I can see him. When I look at Serge Jabari Rice, I see him as not only a winning player, but a nice piece on a winning team in the NBA. So he gets invited to the combine. And you said you thought of me when you saw that. Did you did you think about all the beautiful shots that you saw him make in the NCAA tournament? Because he he just feels like he checks the box. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I like players over potential half the time. Yeah, I mean, bucket getter. I wonder defensively if he's going to get picked on. Pretty slight frame. You know, I, th- I think he's probably a guy, probably a, you, take a, you take a flyer on him in the second round. I mean, that could happen. But he's already going to have one of the most devastating pump fakes in the NBA from day one. Uh, we even saw it during during the uh, the G League Combine. He, he, did, he got his long, it's almost like a Jokic kind of pump fake. Uh, and he got that going. Yeah, I mean... I, I could see I could see a team taking a flyer on him in the second round. I could, that's you know he's, but all all the things I said kind of withstanding that uh, that are going to be questions for him. I'm excited to see him at the combine. Another guy that I was excited for Kendrick Davis out of Memphis um, at SMU. I think he ended up being maybe the all time scorer at SMU. He's in the conversation, maybe top two, top three, whatever it is. But he was incredible at SMU. Transfers to play for Penny for one year. The Memphis team, lest we forget, I mean, they had Florida Atlantic on the ropes. and They called timeout. They right? did call timeout. I, right? I mean, and I'm a penny guy, so they definitely called timeout. They were cheated. It was wrong. It goes all the way to the top. Um, you know, all the things. Uh, but Kendrick Davis is a player I really like. I think he's a true point guard. I think he has a great high basketball IQ um, and just knows how to score the basketball. Kind of reminds you of like Chris Clemens um, that yeah. came out of Campbell a few years ago, ended up playing for the Rockets. I'm not sure if he's still in the he Rockets. He was G League Rockets. I don't know. Well, actually, I think he got some burn with the, with the, yeah, that a, last iteration of the Harden Rockets. Yeah, yeah. right. And they, and they did and a good job with, uh, you know, like yeah, I think, you know, Tate was obviously on the G League team too. So they do a good job with, with that group. But in general, I like Kendrick Davis's game. He gets caught up for the for the combine. And then the last guy, which I think is fascinating for um, forecasting next year for a certain team, Clemson, who was on the outside looking in uh, with the NCAA tournament, P.J. Hall, um, a guy who is very talented, a guy who got some Tyler Hansbrough comps. Um, I wonder why, um, but he got those uh, when he was at Clemson. He's a really tough player, and he and Hunter Tyson of Clemson, both um, out of the eight players asked to come to combine, they both get invites. That is a little worrisome for Clemson, but it's also a good sign because I think both those guys are going to come back to Clemson, and if they do... That is a, you know, if you're trying to find teams that are sleeper teams next year um, that can maybe make a run to Sweet 16 or whatever it may be, I think P.J. Hall and Hunter Tyson could be those guys. Is he going to have a COVID year, Hunter Tyson? Because he played five. Is he able to come back I for a I think he sixth? has a COVID year, yeah, okay. right? Or maybe 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 he, maybe he his fifth was his COVID year, so maybe he's out of the conversation. But P.J. Hall can definitely come back. Yeah. He can definitely come back, and I think he will come back. And if P.J. Hall d- does come back, you're talking – Maybe preseason ACC player of the year. I know Filipowski fans will go crazy over that. But, I mean, what if we have a P.J. Hall-Filipowski showdown? That'll be some good ACC basketball. We'll be uh, we'll all be locked in for that. Battle of the Whites, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. But a shout out to those guys. I'm excited for the combine. We also have the draft lottery that's coming up tomorrow night. I know you and KOC are doing a, a reaction show about that. 
Quickly, before we get to shout-outs, is there, is there one fit for Wimbenyama that you like that makes sense to you that you're saying? And why is it not the Hornets? Uh, because I, I feel like a lot of people don't want the Hornets to have him. Yeah, I was cracking up at you d- talking about why you didn't want him to go to the Hornets. I just think it's pretty amazing. It's it, it's a level of cynicism here, here too unseen, hitherto unseen. Uh, you know, like the fact that he, Tate is afraid that they're going to let him down and he's already just kind of forecasting like this don't we're going to break we're going to disappoint you. it's sort of like when you meet somebody you really like and you and you think oh me you know and they just they're so damaged that they're like i'm going to hurt you like do right. you just move on just yeah. go on find somebody that that can love you better it's uh, the dewey cox you don't want no part of this dewey yeah, you know what yeah. i mean and he's like what is it <laughs> <laughs> i think i want a part of that <laughs> i think i do want a part of that love that movie <laughs> um no, but uh, there there are a few fits that I do like. I think the two that that come to mind uh, immediately. Um, I mean, hypothetically, I like the idea of the Spurs just because of their international kind of like they have a history of doing that. I love Pop working with him. I think that Wimby would make a lot of their players make sense if you put him with like a really solid defensive group like Devin Vassell and then uh, you know Trey Jones and then Kelton Johnson and uh, and then Jeremy Sohan. But then I think I really also like. I also like on the basketball side of it, the, the Pistons. I think the Pistons are a really cool fit for him. If you think about Cade and, and Jay Nivey, and then um, I think that he could be a great lob threat. I, I think you could play him and Jalen Duran together. But then the other one that I brought up was Indiana. I think that Indiana would be fun. So there's a couple guards there that I would I would have fun pairing him with, with, uh, with Halliburton and Wimby and then Cade and Wimby. I just think, because both of those guys I don't think are true primary offensive options, options on like a playoff level team. But they're very good. It's not like a major disc because there's not many of those players in the world. Uh, I think putting Wimby with those guys could create a really, really, uh, a really, you know, fearsome thing to reckon with in the East specifically. And how cool would it be 20 years after the Pistons passed on Carmelo, they get Wimbenyama? You know what I mean? They, they, that's that's something that's fun. 20 to years later, get it right. Yeah. Get it right this time. Let's yeah. get it right, Detroit. So I, I think that's always fun. All right, let's get to shout outs. This is something that I just saw. Brett McMurphy put this out to the world. Apparently, the quote unquote magnificent seven ACC schools are shopping themselves right now to see if they can get out of their uh, agreement with the ACC. And the seven schools are Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia and Virginia Tech. And there's some conversations they might be talking to the Pac-12. Oh. And uh, if people remember. <laughs> That's a shame. I was thinking about maybe being a Florida State guy. Well, what do you, you mean? Sh- well, I'm a St. John's guy. Well, I'm a St. John's guy. But I mean, if they're going to bounce, I don't know. You want them out of there? Is that what you're saying? It's the magnificent seven in the ACC. They can go anywhere. Maybe. I see you doing some damage in Tallahassee, Kyle. I see that. Tallahassee, you, got, you got family in Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah. I got a place to stay. He's got a place to stay. Uh, I have been to Tallahassee uh, once in my ACC life. It was everything and more. It was Myrtle Beach. Um, oh. Right? Don't you think? Sure, I haven't. Hey, You've I just never got back from Ocean, Ocean City. Yeah. I don't know anything about oh, these. Right. He's not been out in yeah. the I'm daytime. only a Long Beach Island guy, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I like to hit them all. But uh, what do you think if I just go St. John's basketball, Florida State football? Nobody's going to get mad at me for that, right? Yeah, I'm, just put it in your bio. I think that's important. Like on Twitter, you know what I mean? You everyone gotta, needs to know. Huh? I like when you have the four teams in the bio. They have like from four different parts of the U.S. You know what I mean? They're they're like, Lakers, <laughs> Lakers, Yankees. Chiefs, Lakers. <laughs> you know, you're like, what? Just so you know what you're getting into here, yeah. I think that would be good. I think that would be good. So shout out to them. Um, I I personally, my favorite season is conference realignment se- season um, where just like they're floating ideas and they're trying to move all the pieces. That's why the portal is important to keep all like the Greg Sankeys of the world occupied. So they're not trying to do conference realignment and make power conferences. But here we are. It's back. The ACC, the Magnificent Seven. Shout out to them. Um, 
Kyle, are you ready for your shout out? Do you want to shout out Ocean City? Can you tell us a little bit? Like what happened? I can't wait. Yeah, the, a fort, <laughs> you went, you went, you left me on Tuesday or Wednesday. Wednesday. I did the show Wednesday. Yeah, you did the show Wednesday, yeah. and then you said you would not be here on Monday. So how did that happen? How did you how did you get back early? Well, I hadn't booked a return ticket yet. So you were gonna stay in Ocean City. I liked the feeling of it. I didn't know everyone was going places. And I was like, you know what? There's no way to fly into Ocean City. Nobody's going south to like Baltimore. So I was like, all right, I know everybody's driving up uh, Sunday morning. So uh, I was just like, I'll figure it out when we get there. And then I looked at the flights. I'm like, yeah, you really probably should have figured this out beforehand because, uh, you know, now that all that was left is like one stop, two stops out of like, you know, cities like Philly or whatever. So whatever, I got that done. And it was 13 hours of travel yesterday, but uh, 13 dudes all together. I put them all in a group text months ago and then i just recused myself i was like this is who i would invite if i could invite everybody i know we've all got lives mm. i'll see you guys whenever i'll see you guys in ocean city right, well i didn't pick ocean city and that's what everyone kept asking me he's like hey why why are we in ocean city man the guy who i put in charge just went to ocean city for the first time last year in like july and was like yeah Ocean this is City. it. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle's gonna love this place. Made so, the call. So yeah, it was painfully clear that it was like the season probably starts two weeks from now. <laughs> a little bit early. Uh, it was a little Memorial early. Day feels like the start. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was clear that we were there a little early, and uh, he just was like, "Well, I had a great time, so yeah, we'll like we'll bring like thirteen dudes." And uh, it was clear that by the end of the weekend, the two groups weren't so hot on each other. Uh, oh my god! Oh. You, ba you basically had like a, a like a, a side. We had fact. We had factions. Yeah, the New York City guys. They thought the Poughkeepsie guys were weird. The Poughkeepsie guys were like, "What's up with these fucking weirdos?" Um, but uh, there was you're, no fight. You're floating between them as the peacemaker. Or uh, you? I really was like, I don't want to hear any of this shit. So it's basically six <laughs> versus six, and then you're the you're the one in the middle. It's like tug of war. Uh, yeah, uh, and New my York brother City versus New York State. <laughs> yes, my brother was there. He was like, "Y'all gonna stop calling me upstate?" And I was like, "Oh, but oh. my brother didn't say that. That was the other guys." But um, that was that was interesting. Nobody, the factions didn't fight each other. There was like a big smack that happened the next morning. Uh, in like the morning, nine thirty in the morning, and the a New York, slap? yeah, between the Poughkeepsie guys, uh, one of the dudes smoked in the house, and that was like the one rule. And he showed up after us, and they sent he sent us a video of him smoking in the house. It was like, I mean, could you be any more dumber? And he was like, I didn't know. So anyway, the big smacks at like nine thirty in the morning. The so next someone day, just walked up to him and just smacked. He said, him. "Good morning to everybody." We're on the back porch, and he just bang. Hauled, smacked the did shit he out haul of off and smack him? I would say it was haul, he hauled off. Then the other dude was like, all right, hold on, hold on. Bang, smacked him back. And we're all like, this porch is not big enough for us to be doing this. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was... Nice little slap fight The there New York City Ocean guys City. were like speechless. They were like, I think one of those guys had to kill the other one, right? I mean, that was crazy. Um, so that, that happened, but we all moved past that. Went to the casino. <laughs> this is your own version of American Gangster. <laughs> Went to the casino. <laughs> uh, shout out to Ocean City Downs, I think it's called. Uh... <laughs> That was good. My buddy got kicked out right away, but we didn't leave. We <laughs> Same did not buddy leave. that was smoking. No, this is a New York City guy. He was oh. just visibly drunk. I guess you're not supposed to like whatever you see on the craps tables in the movies. Mm -hmm. Not supposed to be, you know, messing around with the dice. You know, right. there was like somebody next to him. He's like blowing the dice. And he was like, sir, sir, no. Hey, anything you see in the movies, don't do it. And oh, I think I he was just like, that. well, I don't know. And they were like, all right, you got to go. Uh, so we got kicked out of the casino. Um, shout out to Secrets. Secrets was really great. It was like uh, five, six bars in one. Oh, was, uh, I was we like, were, uh, that sounded like a strip club. Uh, no, I, I, one thing I got, I didn't want to go, but the one thing I got from all the folks on the internet was, uh, don't worry about Ocean City strippers. Don't even think about it. And I was so like, yeah, great. I'm not, I didn't want to go to a club. That's what I said. No strip clubs, no club clubs, if we could avoid that. Um, so no strippers. Secrets was great. Bearded Clam, I found, was the best, uh, best dive bar. That was great. Um, wow. I mean, what a ride. Quite yeah, a name. Man. Quite a name. It was great. Yeah, no, it was definitely, 
It's definitely what you think. Did it there's live like up a to bunch the name? Of, there's a bunch of titties on the wall. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, it was, I had a great time. Uh, beers all around. It was good. Um, made it back. And it was really just nice to see those guys. And I'm glad it, it all worked out. Yeah. And I'm glad that they came together at the end. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, it, may, it reminds me of that picture where it's like the Crip and the Blood and they're hanging up both their flags <laughs> next to each other. That's like, like that for Kyle's the, bachelor party. That's on the last did. day. I mean, they were both coming up to me separately like, I really fucking hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> like quietly, and I was like, yeah, they told me they hate you too. <laughs> yeah, don't, worry, don't worry, you're not alone in your hate. That probably got some respect between them, you know what I mean? That they were like, we both hate each other. Well, you know? they hated guys, different guys in other groups more right. too, so they tell the other guy, I was like, that guy fucking sucks. And he was like, yeah, I fucking hate hanging out with him, but uh, you know, we got to do it. <laughs> so, For Kyle. Yeah, so you'll get to yeah. see all this come to fruition at the wedding. That'll be great. I, I am, uh, I can't wait to be at the wedding. I really can't. Um, I talked to Jim Cunningham today on the phone um, and he was asking me questions, you know, just gym things, just going through his, you know, Rolodex of conversation points that he could throw at me. Um, one thing I did want to ask you, and we were talking about this, uh, when you got home last night, you have the rabbits at home. Do they have names? We were just talking about dog. You know, you go back, you see your dogs, you're excited. When you see the rabbits at home, are you like, what's up, Johnson? What, what are their names? And do you address them as First such? thing I do, let out a big sigh. Okay. And they're still there. Okay. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I know the names now. <laughs> what the are the names? Time, the last time I didn't know the names. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, I, I, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. Uh, the mom, that's Winona. After Winona Ryder. Okay. Love that. Love Beetlejuice. Um, uh, the, one of the dudes is Harley. Another dude's name is Florence. And then there's Topanga, like the canyon, not after the love of my life. Oh, was, not after. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. She's very, she was very clear about that. Um, but Wow. Uh, Does know. not like Boy Meets World. Yeah. Well, whatever. I guess she's a big fan of Topanga Canyon. And the last one. Oh, shit. Maybe I don't know them all. Alistair. Boom. Oh. Boom. Well, that's it. cool. I'm glad that you got back safely. You called me on the phone yesterday in Detroit. Uh, like You had no voice <laughs> at that point. And you were like, I'm in the airport in Detroit. We got no producers for One Shining Podcast. I, we were here watching Game 7, so I, I basically was just like, we're just going to punt this. Uh, we're going to let Kyle... Uh, uh, you weren't really interested, I can tell you. It wasn't getting the vibes that you were you were going to tug on that line I threw that maybe we punt. And I was like, you know what? I'll just do it then. No, that, I'll and just that, do and that's it. what I wanted to confirm, that you're the best in the business. <laughs> oh, you know my God, I mean? yeah. Like, he, he is coming off that kind of weekend where you're trying to merge groups. That's what I, I get stressed about, even the idea of trying to, like, merge groups. Even when we had my 30th birthday party, it was, like, work people. For, you know, it's like, sure. I'm always stressed about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a middle child, so I always kind of have that anxiety in me of, like, especially, and it's very amplified whenever you're with, like, the groups that you try. I'm, I'm just kind of pollinating, you know, like, kind of just, you're like. checking in. Yeah, I'm always checking in. I do that regardless. Yeah, you're like, but, you meet Thomas. Oh, you're you right. love Ellie. You know. That yeah. is a little insane, even for, like, a party. But, I mean, four days, it's like. uh and you're staying together. What the fuck? Yeah, right. It's almost you get roommate syndrome, right? Because yeah. then someone doesn't put a plate away or smokes in the house, and you're like, I'm, am I going to have to fight this guy? I mean, is this, is this what it comes yes. down to? And the guy who, you know, and it's the classic, the guy who rents the Airbnb constantly reminds everybody who, who, know, rented, who rented the Airbnb. This is his house now. It's like, whose fucking bottle cap is that? And we're right. like, oh, man, come on. Yeah. It's like that, that dude pissed on the porch already. You're worried about a bottle cap. Come on. A lot of social contracts uh, come into play in those yeah. situations. And a lot of people have their own little, you know, you know, ideas about how things should go. And it was a, and it was a bachelor party, you know, with a budget. So it's not like everybody had their own rooms. There's a couple snores in there. Oh, got a hilarious boy. video. I got to show you about that. <laughs> I can only imagine. You <laughs> got air mattresses on struggling. the ground. No, no, no. There was beds for everybody, but there was like one room with four bunk beds. Ooh. That was a little tight. Um, so. Sounds like camp. 
camp uh, in Ocean yeah. City. It was like camp. I was just waiting for the brawl. Actually, <laughs> camp. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to hear the bubble people complaining about travel and stuff. When Kyle, you know, Kyle schleps out here just to do a podcast for us. I just think, you know, that's the heart of a champion. You do what you got to do. You rise to the moment when it when it calls for it. I'm impressed. I also lied to a bunch of people when they asked me why you were going to Ocean City because like I didn't know what the reason was. So I was like, I think he went there as a kid and he loved it. <laughs> Big and, family vacation. So if anyone comes to you and they're like, man, I'm so glad you got to go back to Ocean City. Maybe just lean into it. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I, stole, I told some stories for it because it sounded better. You know what I mean? I was like in the Remember the Titans, like 12 brothers and sisters sounds better than eight. I was like, Kyle had a reason to be there. He's not crazy. He's not flying to New York and driving 10 hours for no reason. But it sounds oh, like... Oh, we popped a tire in New Jersey on the way down there too. That was fucking great. Did you change the tire? You got AAA? What uh, happened? We, uh, we actually were right by a fucking... Uh, what's it called? Right by a Mavis discount tire. So... Uh, just and they, they right hooked in. it up. But he had to run it, flats. Yeah. yeah, but he had to run flats. So oh, that's good. Drove a mile down the road. I learned that that's what you got to have riding around with Bill Simmons. You got to have that. You got to have the ability to drive around and, and not worry about <laughs> I it. I think he thinks you could drive longer on those than you actually can. I think the word is 50 miles. He might think it's 500. <laughs> I just remember the first time I got in his car, the tire light was on, oh. and I was like, hey, that, Always that's on. what the, the <laughs> thing is beeping for. And he was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Never did. You never again. heard a run flat state? Yeah, no, I never, I never brought it up again. But uh, <laughs> great story. I'm glad you made it back. Thanks. I, uh, we missed you. We all missed you, and uh, you're being a trooper. We all, we all respect that. Um, I wanted to shout out Kevin O'Connor. He took me to Nobu Malibu on Saturday. Uh, he had a KOC dinner. Kyle, man, that you would have been might there. Have I've been in. to one of the KOC dinners. I know how he holds court, man. He, he throws down. And He's he brings really, in like a, you know, a random group of people. You know what I mean? Tommy people, Alter style. Tom, very connector. Very <laughs> Tommy Alter connector. Speaking of, I talked to Tommy Alter. He said he wants to come on One Shining Podcast. Former guest on One Shining Podcast from back oh in the day. God. Much maligned guest. Um, but we, 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 <laughs> we, we want to bring him back. Uh, maybe we will. But uh, KOC has this dinner. Tommy Alter is not there, but a, a great group. Um, Kevin, you know, got this table. It had a nice little friend uh, that, that was a fan of the mismatch that helped get him this table at Nobu Malibu. I'm like, Go on, Kevin O'Connor. You know, little 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 rendezvous going on. And all he wanted to do was see a celebrity. Um, and as we're sitting there, he's looking around. And you know how this works when people are at like the IV or, you know, any of these places, the Craig's, right, where you're supposed to see celebrities. It's a bunch of normal people and they're all looking around. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So it was like a bunch of normal people all looking at each other. <laughs> Nobody's looked at the menu yet. And, and, and I'm telling like, Kevin, oh, shit, I more I'm time. like, Kevin, I heard, I, the, I heard come back in five. Right. Uh, yeah. I was like, Kevin, the girl over there just said that's Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I think you're the most famous guy here um so he looked a little deflated at that point in time and just as it was happening right behind him walks in just a, a fox of a guy of course you know john stamos Uncle Jesse. that's where my mind went when um, you said fox of a guy when i yeah. i think george clooney or john stamos like whichever one those choose the, your fighter yeah, yeah exactly and they're both hits and stamos walks in he's got his beautiful wife with him um they're looking stunning they're looking like a-list stars as you'd expect they go to the table that is right on the the edge of the water, a little glass table right there. And Stamos, there's two chairs on the opposite sides, and then the ocean is this way behind them. He takes his chair, most power move I've ever seen, takes his chair, pulls it to the front so that he is sitting facacing directly the ocean, and his wife is right here. He's not facing her anymore. And John Stamos <laughs> literally has... Move. That was the most gangster That's move I've move. ever seen, and nobody was as impressed as I was. And I was like... That is how you know the guy is a star. You know what I mean? Yeah. He like walks in, he just decides this is where my chair goes. And then the Malibu Nobu people, uh, they shimmied the table so it was diagonal. So now they both could sit and face the ocean. And it was the most power move I've ever seen. Shout out to John. I'll Stamos. keep that in mind. Regular people could do that too, right? No, 
okay. I don't, think don't so. get carried away. I don't think <laughs> so. Don't get carried away. But Stamos shocked me with that. That's that's the couple move for any young guys out there, young people out there. If you're out, uh, you you want to sit. You don't want to sit across. You know, mm-hmm. sit the sit on the side, the the opposite co- the side. You know, adjacent. I, I think that's the move. That's the that's. Wait, you're the talking gen- about oh, but we're, uh, booths though. We're going across, right? Well, no, you don't have the choice. Tables. That's well, the grossest yeah. thing I've ever seen. When you go, guys are both on the same side of a booth and nobody else is there. Come on. If you're on no, the both no, side no. of the booth, like I'm thinking, someone's getting someone's hit. Someone's getting hit. No, and no, I'm no, like, this no. is not that kind no, of establishment. No, not that, not yeah, that. Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking violation. if you're at a tabletop, not in a booth situation. Okay, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Think, you know, if you're sitting across, it's just a nice. It's a nice like. Uh, there's intentionality behind that. They they feel like you want to be closer to hear what they're saying. You know, it's a, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be the side by side booth thing. That's it, not what I mean. It also created this like. If I'm Nobu, I almost move and change the tables to how they set it up, and I and I call it the Stamos like setup or whatever. It is. I mean, it was actually, Stamos alignment, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like, do you guys want us to Stamos it tonight? You know what I mean? And it was kind of perfect. And uh, Kevin was very excited to see John Stamos. He had a great dinner. Um, it was a great time. But shout out to shout out to him for making that happen. Shout out to John Stamos for delivering the entertainment that we all needed at the table. And shout out to Jim Cunningham because he was invited. And he didn't come. He didn't um, come. As, I can't as, believe it. Yeah, as you'd expect. And then calls me today and goes, how was, how dinner? was dinner? Tell me everything about it. <laughs> no, you don't get to know. No, you don't when get you do to that know. shit. I did tell him Stamos came, but I didn't tell him about the table. So yeah. Don't there tell you him. Go. He's said, not going to listen mercy. to this either. Yeah, yeah, have mercy. There you go. Uh, so shout out there. Uh, any other shout outs, honestly? Kyle, man, I mean, shout out to you for being here. This is great. Love to, love to have you in person, in studio. How about the Dinglemeister confirmed? Yes. Confirmed. Going, going to St. John's. I looked at a a 24-7 sports article, and it was the top 10 takeaways so far of the offseason. Number one was Rick Pitino is back. Um, And shout out to the guy that wrote it. it. I I cannot remember his name on top of my head, but if you go to 24-7 sports, look up top 10 takeaways so far of the offseason. The Rick Tater, Slick Rick, whatever you want to call him, he's right there front and center. Um, and Jordan Dingle was the first name mentioned. So uh, your guy, Jordan Dingle. I just Dingle, know what is happening now. You, you're locked I really in. I am locked in. You're in the garden. In. Kyle in the garden. I can't oh, wait I can't to wait. be in New York. Um, and hopefully we'll have some of Kyle's New York friends there. They can tell us about Ocean City and why they hated the Poughkeepsie boys. And, we could uh, maybe facilitate some kind of turf war. What, I, I'm good for that. What side should I be on? If you had to, like, what side is stronger? You know what I mean? I'm not a front runner, but uh, if, if the Golden State you Warriors know, are there, I might have the Kevin Durant this situation. I think the Poughkeepsie guys have been in way more fights okay that's my t- I, I was leaning poughkeepsie because we're going to be in poughkeepsie territory also yeah yeah i think and they're 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 more wild cards but i don't know who's a better fighter maybe the new york city guys you know they're scrappers too but the poughkeepsie guys like you wouldn't believe how much times they fought each other even it's right like what right the right that's yeah. what i am worried about also i'm worried about like like some dissension in the ranks where uh the poughkeepsie guys turn on each other like they hear something for the new york guy and they're like no, nah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> they go on their own team, and I'm on the team that's getting attacked. I'm very concerned. I got I got to pick a side. Oh, uh, you're at the table with the LA guys, though. Okay, those guys were not invited. So to- Bill Simmons is at my table. No. <laughs> First of all, uh, I think depending on who makes it to the finals, we'll know if Bill's going to the wedding. or I not. I think he's going to be there. I think uh, the Celtics are making the finals. Okay, but hold on. But would that change? Because they're not. The, they were the two seed, right? Yeah. And so if if it's the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. then that would mean that they're going to play their last, they're going to play games three and four in Boston. Right. 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 So, I mean, how's he not going to go to that game? He's going to go to Boston. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And game four would be the, the wedding of the wedding. <laughs> yeah. Can we zoom him in <laughs> while he's at the game? 
With Dr. Uh, Simmons. Doctor, yeah, that'd be great. Dr. Bill Simmons. Dr. Bill Simmons and Bill Simmons, <laughs> both on a Zoom. I like I like the the guilt gift. I think that's good. I, I told I, you. I don't mind a guilt gift. I was telling you, man, you got to get the Lisa Vanderpump guilt gift. Uh, that is what we all need in this world. Um, no more shout outs from me, comment, anything else before we get out of here. It's been fun. I, I wish we could do all these in person. Yeah. Uh, I'm not putting pressure on you, Kyle, man, but... Uh, I mean, L.A. is great. He's a big downtown L.A. guy now. Yeah, he likes no. downtown. Yeah, not so much. He's, not so much. He's. I gave him a ride home yesterday. He's close by, so we got. We maybe we'll go get. We a, got get out a, of get DTL. Some lunch. Got his hands on the on the lock to make sure. <laughs> right, just to be careful, just to, just to keep a head on a swivel. But there you go. This has been one shining podcast. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Shout out to Nike. Uh, you guys are doing it. You're making things happen. And we will see you later in the week on Wednesday. Yeah.